1: Usual and special guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you today?
2: I'm doing great, Andy. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Good morning. So, where are you this morning?
2: I am. I'm at my uh, our beautiful sumologic headquarters. In World
1: headquarters. Redwood
2: City. World headquarters. Redwood City, California. Excellent. And we've had warm, beautiful weather today. It looks like we may get a little bit of rain, much needed rain. So. Uh, And you, Andy? Where are you today?
1: I am in my New York studio, and um, yeah, I wouldn't say we're well. We're having warmer weather. I I'm not sure about the beautiful part, but it's uh, you know it's not sub zero and it's not snowing, so that's a that's a victory right there.
2: Let's just count our blessings, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. So
2: thankful. yeah,
1: Yeah, every day. That's right. So today, let's talk about marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads and how we maximize opportunities and deals from those. So again, this is sort of when reading online, you know, all sorts of statistics about MQLs and SQLs and so on. I thought maybe we'd use that as sort of a point of departure in our discussion is is statistics. Somebody said only two to six percent of marketing qualified leads actually translate into qualified opportunities in your pipeline. So, how does that comport with what you see? I mean, to me, it seems like uh, something's broken in the process somewhere. If that's if that's the percentage,
0: it comports.
1: Okay.
2: Um, I wish it didn't comport, (laughs) but it 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 comports. It's it's hard, you know. I think this is where sales and marketing alignment is so important. And having a consistent approach around the quantity and quality and what an MQL is. And is a company going to choose to optimize on quantity and have more coming through and have a ratio of 2 to 6%? Or are they going to optimize on quality and there's going to be less quantity but a higher um, a, a higher conversion of MQL into opportunity, and this is something that we're we're working on right now at Sumologic and trying to figure out what that right balance is. And we certainly don't have it figured out. And this is also something that is not a set and forget. This no, is something no. that that you gotta you gotta keep working on. You gotta iterate, and, right? And iterating continually to find out what the right to find out what the right ratio and balance is.
1: So at Sumo Logic, how do you define an MQL?
2: So, right now, ours is um, we've got a free product, Sumo Logic free. So, when someone signs up to try our product, that automatically, that puts them as an MQL. If they attend a webinar or a trade show of some sort, Mm -hmm. we consider that as an MQL. And then, other than that, we do it, for us, they have to get to a score of 25. If you use Marketo, we, we, we score them based on activity. So those mm-hmm. two, they get an automatic 25. And okay, then, so, oh, yeah, so excuse
1: me, so once they get a 25, what happens to them?
2: They are, that that is then sent over to the SDR team to do sort of further qualification, does this look like it's a it's does this look like a good lead to follow up on? And we follow up on all of them. This sort of this sort of piggybacks, Andy, on a conversation we had last week about um, are we setting our SDRs up for failure? Mm-hmm. Is we're trying to make sure that the ones that they do get are truly qualified and truly ones that we should be following up on. Otherwise, it's just a very light touch. Thank you for signing up. Thank you for your interest in Sumo Logic. It's not a a, a hard sell, let me get to a meeting, but more of a an acknowledgement of some interaction with Sumo Logic.
1: And that's a email or a phone call, or what is that typically?
2: Yeah, we're and again, we're we're in process here as we will always be in process. So we're putting together Really, it's a, three t- a three-tiered three plan for how to reach out to MQLs. If it's a highly qualified, they're going to have sort of one path that the SDR will follow, which will include a phone call, some email tailored to who they are specifically and what we believe, given what we know about that prospect their interest might be. A tier two would be less qualified and, and less sort of less outreach, a, a, different, a different kind of message. And then tier three would be just really just an acknowledgement. Not, not, quali- not super qualified from what we can tell, but one that we want to at least acknowledge and keep the door open in case we miss something. And really just a thank you for coming to Sumologic, thank you for your interest, how can we be helpful? That sort of thing. So having not all MQLs are created equal.
1: Right. So, tier one, I presume, have a higher lead score.
2: Not necessarily.
1: So, how do they? How do you determine, then, that they might be more qualified if the lead score coming out of marketing is, is the same, let's say, as a tier two?
2: Yeah. So, sometimes they'll have a higher lead score. But sometimes it's the research that an SDR does to see, oh, this actually marketing didn't pick up on certain factors, but I can see based on looking at LinkedIn or looking at their company website or someone who I know there or some other data, Mm -hmm. piece of data, that this is actually a very qualified lead. Or maybe I have a connection or someone at my company has a connection that we feel that we can get in or we found out some other information and hence I'm going to give them a higher lead score Mm -hmm. than than maybe even marketing was able to pick up on.
1: Got it. Got it. So, okay. So you've got your tier one, tier two, tier three, but you're saying you're still sort of um, seeing this two to 6%, you know, rate somewhat, you know, translating into action at your company. So this seems like there's a failure point somewhere for most companies. Where, where is that? Right. I mean,
2: Well, I think you and I, Andy, talk about how difficult it is to get through to a prospect as an SDR or a sales team. Marketing has their own set of challenges Mm -hmm. in terms of generating truly marketing qualified leads. And so I think just as we're having challenges to cut through the, the, the clutter and cut through the noise, marketing is also. And this is something again. It's not a set and forget, and that we're really working on the formula at Sumo Logic to find out what what are the best ways that we can uh, generate MQls. Is it trade shows? Is it events? Is it Google AdWords? Is it content? Is it what is it that's going to help drive uh, d- drive MQls for the company?
1: What well, and part- it's not easy. Yeah, I know. And it, I I understand. And is part of it, though, that, that they're being released too soon to sales? I mean, is there some logic that says yeah, somebody's got, let's say, a 25, theoretically, that came to our booth at a trade show. You know, for the level of of contact that needs to be made at that point, isn't it just as suitable and just as effective to, you know, put them back into a nurture campaign and hope that they engage further, you know, at some point, whether it's content, as you said, one of these things that will change and affect their lead score, rather than drop it into an SDR.
2: Absolutely. And, th- and that's one of the things that we're looking at right now. In fact, as marketing is experimenting with these different channels, and I am not a marketing demand gen expert, and I have so much respect for the people who do it. I know it's not an easy job, but there was one channel that they were experimenting with And the feedback from the sales team was these are just these are not qualified leads for us. There's and and sort of again to the topic that you and I had last week about uh, the SDR function. Are we setting SDRs up to fail? It was they were not leading to fruitful conversations, and it was a waste of time both for the SDRs as well as the prospect. And what we said with this particular channel is we need to do one of two things. Maybe this isn't the right channel, or maybe they just need to be warmed up more. Mm-hmm. So we set that back to marketing. But again, this feedback and the feedback loop and the conversation and the dialogue between sales and marketing is so critical. And it's very difficult, I will admit, for there not to be just... Uh, difficulties and frustrations between the two groups. And if you, it, easy for sales to say, marketing, you, we, need, we need you to give us uh, better qualified leads and more of them. And it's easy for marketing to say, well, if you would just follow up in a meaningful way to the ones I give you, we'd be fine. Get your conversion rates up. So there's it's it's hard to break that down that's not that's not a useful that's not a useful tension there no. will always be some tension but it needs to be it needs to be constructive tension and the two teams really have to be working together
1: well and it's really an extension of and this is you know if we look back at our conversation last week we talked about yeah we're setting up STR teams for failure we talked about the fact that the system is weighted in terms of quantity over quality and to some degree that exists as far as marketing too with the lead gen and demand gen. right? With yeah. When you look at the leads, the quality of the MQLs that are coming across is that part of that pressure I think to give sales leads that turn out to be not very qualified or not good leads um Coming from a channel that's just not very productive, as you talked about, it's it's the pressure of quantity over quality.
2: Well, and there's there's definitely the pressure, Andy. That there are targets set internally. Marketing needs to create X number of MQLs for sales, and that's an easy one. That's an easy one to game. Really, you you lower the MQL threshold you can start flooding sales that's an easy gate to move up and down and yet the pressure is very real and mm-hmm. so just as we talk about the pressure that the SDRs have to generate meetings marketing's getting pressured to create to generate MQLs and so I see demand gen and the SDRs very much in the same in the same predicament and, and oftentimes the SDRs report into marketing. I see it just as often reporting mm-hmm. into marketing as I do into sales.
1: Yeah, except they're probably if they report to marketing, they're probably less likely to complain about the quality of what they're getting from the marketing people. Um, so. Yeah,
2: but and, and well, and that's true. But I also wonder if there's no one to there's no finger pointing at that point that they're still trying to identify then it becomes, if the line for marketing, and I'm, I'm not advocating this, I'm, I'm actually just thinking about this as you and I are having this discussion, mm-hmm. is then maybe it does, be, maybe it's easier for it to be a little bit more results oriented, that it doesn't matter because it's all within, t- within marketing how many MQLs are created that the, let's call them marketing development reps, which is what they're called in a lot of orgs. Right. They're the ones that are handling them, and then maybe it's just how many, how many um, leads are sent over to sales to get accepted. So sales accepted leads, and it's a different metric that that in, that necessitates some level of quality and qualification on both sides. If sales is going to accept it, they're saying, "Yeah, I think this is a good one."
1: Well, in that case, if the marketing development development reps work for marketing. Are they in that case, for people that aren't familiar with that model that are listening to the show, are they, the marketing development reps, selling the meeting and selling the demo? Or are they just doing a qualification that then gets handed over to an SDR to do the meeting and demo setup?
2: Well, companies companies do it differently. I've seen seen market development reps where all they do is if, if you have a lot of inbound and you really have to filter out for the quality, they're really just doing the qualification and then it goes on to either a sales development rep or an inbound rep. It just depends on the org. Got but it. let's say, let's say all of that that function is within marketing. And the only time that that it passes over truly to sales is saying it's a sales accepted lead.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay, well, we're going to take a pause here and take a short break. We'll be right back after this with my guest, Bridget Gleason. Attention, sales leaders. Would you like to give your sales team the tools to drive more quality connects, scale their outreach, and spend more time selling? Well, you can with LiveHive. Get your ROI. Try it now at livehive.com forward slash ROI. That's LiveHive, L I V E H I V E dot com forward slash R O I. All right, back with my guest, Bridget Gleason, on Frontline Fridays. We're talking about MQLs, SQLs, maximizing opportunities coming out of the pipeline, and so on. So now let's segue a little bit and um, talk about sort of once we move further into the pipeline, is again uh, an article I saw that somebody said, typical close rate on opportunities to deals in the, in the pipeline close rate on opportunities in the pipeline, 20, 35%. And I thought, geez, that that doesn't seem like a industry standard <laughs> to me because you've know, got research coming out of uh, sales benchmark index and other places saying that anywhere from 50 to 60% of forecasted opportunities end up in no decision. So we can't possibly be closing thirty five percent of qualified opportunities, or can we? I mean, what's what's your experience been?
2: Well, it's interesting. I just i i uh, have an ongoing analysis that I look at what our conversion rate is from opportunity to close, mm-hmm. and and I'm looking just at our corporate team, which is SMB and mid market, and that's about right. I mean, it's it's. Th- that's about. That's what I'm seeing mm-hmm. now. I there's so many ways, Andy, to slice the the data. You can probably make it say whatever you want it to say. It's just what you <laughs> what consider- statistics. No, I come know. on. I know it's a crazy thought. It's crazy talk. But I think there's. it depends on what you consider qualified and do you consider, are you looking only at the current month or the current quarter? Are you considering overall time? There's a lot of ways to slice and dice it. Um, The way that I'm looking at it is just a very uh, simple somebody created an opportunity for it at some point in time and it closed in some point in time. Mm -hmm. I may get stricter uh, on that, I don't know that I'd loosen it up anymore, but I may get stricter on it. And yeah, I'm seeing just sort of across the board, uh, some reps have a higher conversion rates, some a little lower, but that's that that didn't strike me as being off. But I would, I, I, the article that you shared with me is interesting to me, and I'm, I'm curious to look at. To see what other benchmarks are, because if if they're higher, I'd love to I'd love to to encourage our team and really challenge them to do better.
1: So, when you were selling individually, you started Xerox, right? Correct. Okay. What was your close rate of qualified opportunities to close?
2: Geez, Andy, that was like.
1: A bazillion years ago, I no, know. No, and I
2: hate to say it, like decades ago, and was <laughs> anybody even looking at closed rate? To, here's here's one thing that I do remember, uh, and and this doesn't answer your question totally, but I, I do remember that we were taught ne- you should never give a proposal. Any proposal you give should have a greater than 80% chance of closing. Right. So there was a very high close rate from, from proposal to close. And, and that's one that I still push here, is that by the time you get to the proposal stage, you better be, it, it better have a really high probability of closing. Um, resources at that, again, decades ago, were harder to come by. We had to just qualify, qualify, qualify so much along the process because even to do a demo required people coming on site, reserving equipment, making sure there was a sales engineer. There was a lot to put it together.
1: Really, for a copy machine, I was
2: selling. <laughs> I was actually not selling copies. I know, I I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> the, I know. I was selling the uh, computer uh, Some people don't know that we did have a. Uh, Computer and network line of uh, equipment at Xerox, but so I don't know. Do you know what your conversion rate was?
1: Not, not in the early days, no. Um, But I knew later on in my career. uh, What was it? It was about seventy-five percent. I mean, and so I, I mean, I operated with to close. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I am really strict about qualification, (laughs) and if somebody was going to get into my pipeline. As a qualified opportunity, they were going to close.
2: And how big, Andy, were, was the average deal size with the seventy-five percent?
1: Oh, in, in excess of a million dollars, probably.
2: Okay, and I think that's also different.
1: Yeah, well, and-
2: you, you've got a huge investment if it's if it's million dollar plus. I think in this article, my guess is they're talking about a more transactional.
1: Sure. Sale, but, but, but we still had on average, we'd have five or six competitors on a deal. So, I mean, from a competitive landscape, it really wasn't substantially different. Um, You know, the length of the sales cycle was longer and so on. But but you still had to be able to qualify the prospect to say, look, this is somebody that needs exactly what I have. And they recognize the value I was able to communicate and they understand the value of what I'm selling and why it's uniquely suited to fit their requirements?
2: So I would say in large enterprise type deals uh, 100% in agreement. I think when they're smaller and trans- more transactional and there's less investment required and, and less investment also on the part of the prospect, for you to go down the line, people, you had to actually meet and have conversations with people. hmm there's a lot that's done in a transactional sale and deals that close where the early it, it's hard to get the information you want early because people can get it online. They don't have to talk to you. And so the qualification is can be more challenging because they can find out so much online before you it for a rep even, even engages.
1: Oh, sure. But I mean I've I've worked Close with clients and as acting VP of sales at numerous companies are much more transactional than what I did personally. Yeah, and we had somewhat the same close rates. I mean, the, the, it really to me the key seemed to be is, and this is gets back to our sort of quantity versus quality theme we've had the last few weeks is, is you know I think the pressure on quantity forces people to sort of shortchange the qualification process. I mean, at some point. You have, it have, There has to be a give, right, between quality and quantity. And to me, it starts at qualification.
2: Well, I would agree with that.
1: Because companies shouldn't come into your pipeline unless they're really qualified for what you are selling.
2: I think what I see, and I'll just tell you what I see, is that reps will put things, create things as an opportunity, and they're very loosely qualified not because they're not asking the right questions, but it's they've had limited they've had limited contact with mm-hmm. the the prospect um, that there are more barriers up because the prospect can find out a lot of what they need to know about us. Sure, oftentimes easier than we can find out about them. So I think more is getting into the pipeline that isn't as it's just harder to qualify earlier on. That's what I've seen.
1: So then, do you have to change sort of the the definition of what really constitutes an opportunity?
2: Um. Yeah, you can do that. I, I think we just look at it. What stage is it at? Mm-hmm. And how much qualification is you done? Have you done? So I think what what in your in my world they may be a stage. If you if you look at stage three or stage four opportunities, which is probably at the stage when you and I. In our histories, would have considered that really an opportunity. The close rate I know here at Sumologic is much higher. Once we have, um, once we complete a discovery call, after a discovery call, mm-hmm. then then that percentage shoots way up. Right. Because we found out a lot more. So I, I think maybe things are getting in earlier, and they have an earlier. Uh, opportunity stage where before you and I wouldn't have considered that an opportunity.
1: Yeah, and I think a, a topic for another day would, that we can get into because we're running out of time here today is is again one of the metrics that you know is big. I know in the SaaS world and you know other companies use it as well. Perhaps not as rigidly as sort of the whole idea of you know percentage pipeline coverage um, and whether that's really a a real stat or it's uh, fictional.
2: That'll be a good topic of conversation. I look forward to it,
1: <laughs> yeah. as always. As always. So we'll have look forward to that conversation. Well, Bridget, I want to thank you for joining me again today. It's been great, as always.
2: And likewise, Andy, I look forward to the next one.
1: And I want to thank everybody for listening to us and look forward to having you with us next Friday on Frontline Fridays with my guest, Bridget Gleason. Have
2: a great rest of the day, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.
0: Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales, we're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement